0: Hey there, I'm Tiffany Youngren, owner of OMH Agency, and welcome to Breakaway Agent. In a world full of real estate pros struggling to get ahead, there are a few who emerge and become wildly successful. If you are or are working to become one of these breakaway agents, then this show is for you. Thank you so much for listening, and even if you just get one thing out of this episode that helps your business grow, that's a huge win, and hopefully you'll get a few nuggets to help you move forward. Today, I'm really excited to welcome Brian Chancellor, VP and Sales Manager, of Sereno Group in Palo Alto, California. Brian is a second generation realtor with 25 years experience that began with a 17 year partnership with his mom, Imogene. He is always focused on the relationship with the client and what is best for them. A belief and philosophy that culminated in a sale that was at the time the most expensive sale in this country's history. A record that he's actually happy to say that he has since been broken. Brian, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thanks for having me, Tiffany.
0: Yes, of course, I appreciate it. Well, how about if you just tell us about yourself and a little bit about what you do?
1: Well, I hit the Half Century Club last December, I'm happy to say. And Ah. I've been married to my wife, Nana, for 20 years. She is originally from Denmark, and so we have an international family and spend a lot of time with her family and our friends in Europe, and they like to come here and interact with my family as well as you mentioned, I've been in the real estate business for 25 years. And I joke that I'm a real estate brat, you know, of sorts, Mm -hmm. just, you know, being a second generation realtor in the first 17 years of my career, I worked directly with my mom. I'm a Jean, who was very highly regarded and respected in our community and in our industry. And it was a lot of fun to work with her. Uh, She has since retired, but still Mm -hmm. pings me regularly about have you seen this article about this client or that client or make sure you look at this and that. And so she's definitely along with my wife, you know, my biggest fan.
0: That's awesome. What a great way to start your career.
1: Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, we had to uh, learn how to work together as business partners, not just mother and son.
0: Yeah. Oh, I bet. I bet you have some stories.
1: I have, I have a few. I have a few. <laughs> she, she would say she had to learn to, to take the mommy hat off. And there was one day that I was a little bit curt with her. And she said, you can't talk to me that way. I'm your mother. And I said, yes, I can. Now I'm your business partner. So, you know, we, we have a great relationship. I'm definitely a mama's boy. And, uh, you know, my parents were over for dinner last night. And so we're very close with the family interaction, but it, w- it was a good run.
0: I love it. That's awesome. Our families work together, so um, I completely understand what you're saying <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's i think it's uh it says a lot when you're able to take that parental relationship and release a little bit so that you yeah. allow your your child to e- emerge and I think it says a lot about you and how you were able to assert yourself in a way that was heard. And, uh, you know, adjustments obviously had to have been made if if you were able to work together for so long.
1: Thank you. But, you know, as you had said, one I'll tell you, one of the things that I am very thankful of in having worked with my mom was that she always gave me the room to grow Mm -hmm. and encouraged me. And you don't always see that when you see folks who are related coming to the business, whether or not it's a parent to a child or spouse to spouse. Sometimes it's, you know, um, somebody working with their their daughter or son-in-law. But many times the agent who is the junior partner in the beginning, so to speak, doesn't really seem to get traction or have a voice. And in this business, too often people want to make excuses for your success as to why you might be more successful than they. But you really want for everybody to really be respected as an individual to really bring that value into the team.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love it. I think that's, that's really speaks to leadership um, and lead, you know, a successful leadership.
1: Yeah,
0: thank you. And uh, you know, one thing that I th- always think is really fascinating, I, I believe that everyone has strengths. And as a high achiever, like yourself, it really speaks to the fact that you've leaned into those, what I like to call superpowers. Uh, you mm-hmm. identified, I'd asked you about this before, uh, before we met right now, and you identified one of your superpowers as being a people person. Could you elaborate on that?
1: Sure. You know, I wouldn't personally call it um, a superpower, but thank you for saying so. <laughs> uh, you know, just from the time that I was a kid, I've always just been interested in people and wanting to make sure that people around me are comfortable, that I was a kid on the playground, that first day of school. I remember a guy who ended up becoming a very close friend of mine, you know, at that time where the, some of the local schools had closed. And so then they were merging. They wanted the kids to feel comfortable and they renamed the school you know, he was, he was leaning up against the pole underneath the, the, you know, the eve of the school to begin with. And I just walked over and introduced myself and, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not fun being the new kid. It's tough for everybody. And so I just pride myself on being the person who's going to lend a helping hand and a welcome and a smile and say like, Hey, come hang out with us. And, and I've really done the same in the business that anytime, even prior to my getting into a formal leadership, um, uh, position, I just always introduce myself to agents and said, Hey, my name's Brian Chancellor. Here's places where I have some strengths as far as the market. If you ever have any questions, feel free, you know, to ask I'm always happy to help. And so you know, whether that is within the business and also when it's been, as I mentioned, you know, my wife is from Denmark. I've just really always enjoyed multiculturalism and I was lucky that my parents had the wherewithal and, and the generosity to send me abroad when I was in eighth grade with my French teacher for spring break. And that's really when all that kicked off Mm. Um, in speaking of foreign languages and meeting people from different places and really getting to know them. And when you don't speak the language that well, it actually takes you to kind of a more baseline or basic level. I think in some ways that really gives you additional insights into who somebody is, because you can't, if, you're, if your vocabulary is not that extensive, you probably don't have the ability to leave with any pretense, right? And so you yeah. see them in all their their authenticity.
0: Well, and you're vulnerable, like, yes. you know, you're just, you really leave yourself vulnerable. And so it, it makes sense that that would, um, you know, really encourage and inspire that empathy that you're talking about, and that consideration for other people, and not only that, but taking action on it. How has that all helped you in business. You mentioned, you know, it helping you reach out to the other agents. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure it helps with clients. How how would you say that being a people person has um, enhanced your career?
1: It, it you know it enhances everything in your life really. Um, that that I'm fortunate that despite being in one of the most, if not the most competitive, uh, real estate market in the country, that look you need to have people who believe in you. They need to believe in your knowledge. They need to believe in your care, your ability to execute. Of course, your integrity should never be questioned. So in the end, when you can make people feel comfortable and you're a trusted advisor, even folks who aren't actively in the business will more proactively refer people to you. So then you don't have to spin your wheels and your energy and your as much of your money marketing in other places. That's not to say that I don't believe in a multi-pronged approach. And that, that may be another you know, part of the conversation and what I believe is really necessary to be a top agent. But, you know, so you, you've got people in the community who uh, will, will refer you. That is also, you also then ultimately gain these clients and your clients can become your champions. You don't have to have 20 or 25, you just need three or four. But even when you're at the negotiation table on behalf of a client, when you have a strong reputation and other agents trust you, that can be the difference between your client getting a property or not. Sometimes I've gotten properties clients and I'm surely not the only one in, the, in, in our business, but there are times that I've represented somebody who's getting a loan and beaten a cash offer without having to pay any more money or been able to get a client into a property for less money than the highest offer. That comes down to what you call the superpower of being able to connect with people. And, the, and it comes down to, well, why would somebody do that? It's because they trust you and that this stuff is really important. I don't care if it's a $200,000 home or a $2 million or $20 million home. All this stuff matters.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's really true. You know, it kind of goes back to, I always say like the right thing's always the right thing, you know,
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) and
0: uh, you know, it feels good during the time that the the right thing's happening and then there's always a reward.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you know, even when I started off in this business and I had very little money, my moral compass never changed. From the day... I got into this business, even when I had very little money, my moral compass never changed mm-hmm. that it was always about. It was always about the clients and, you know, having been exposed to this business from the time that I was 12 years old, I had exposure and I, and I had a, a very clear view that look in the eyes of most people in the public we're two or three steps above a used car salesperson. And so from day one, I've always geared myself towards raising the bar in the Mm -hmm. public perception of our industry.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, another thing that you mentioned is um, that being important in getting you to where you are is the art of recognizing the dynamics within a setting. So can you expand on that for me? I'd love to hear more about what you have to say about that.
1: Sure. You know, it's, you can that that is important whether or not you are presenting for a listing, or whether or not you are um, representing a buyer in a negotiation, or you are you a know, listing to offers on behalf of a seller. You've got to be able to read the room and make people feel comfortable. Realize who are the decision makers in the room, still acknowledging everybody and giving everybody the same level of respect but you also have to be a proactive listener and hearing the nuance to what they're saying or what are they not saying? And, and does their, does their posture say? Mm-hmm. And so it's also a matter of, you know, when you're a listing agent in my mind, the negotiation actually starts when you first meet a prospective buyer or their agent. I don't want to get more information. I don't want any specific information about their offer per se, And if somebody starts to tell me, I say, please don't tell me because I'm kind of old school. I still actually prefer for people to present to my clients and me together in person, real time. Um, But I'm sizing them up. You know, are they somebody who is thoughtful? Are they somebody who is actually overly sensitive and unrealistic when it comes to the condition of the home and the market? Are they somebody who is more confrontational, especially? I can accept the fact that we're all very different. We've got different personalities and different experiences, but as an agent, my job is to do what's best for my client. So if I'm representing a buyer, for example, understanding what the seller's expectations are, how many offers are confirmed, not that the listing agent is just projecting how many disclosure packets they have out. And also making sure that my clients are as well prepared if not more well prepared than anybody else who's going to be making an offer and i can then factually say that to the sellers
0: so as you're sizing people up um for example the example that you used with you have a buyer coming and they're they want to present an offer to the seller and you're kind of gauging where they're at what the personality is um as you said recognizing the dynamics within the setting what, how do you use that? What do you do from there? How can that help you?
1: Well, well, in, in the end, everybody gets, and an, it's a level playing field. But if you've got somebody that starts questioning, like, like for example, we've probably all had this, you know, you're in your listing, and it's an open house, and there's a squeak in the floor. It happens. If that person stands there on that spot and starts bouncing up and down numerous times on You're like, Oh, okay. (laughs) What am I working with here? Does the person understand? I mean, there is a certain decorum as well. I'm not saying it's not important, but you know, if, if that, if they're fixating on that, do they really understand what maintenance is of a house? Because there's always a solution. I will, um, also when it comes to how an offer is presented and the structure of the offer on behalf of the buyer, it's my job to of course go through that make sure that the offer is written in the same structure that the agent has presented it because many times there are at least slight differences, sometimes significant differences or omissions to that offer that they missed. You know, we've got to a and cross our T's on behalf of the clients, but ultimately I let them know, Oh, Hey, here's, here's the buyer that I met at the open house or in, in here's their agent. I've worked with this agent before they've got a strong reputation. I will also let them know, hey, this might be an agent who sells a lot of real estate, but we really need to make sure that we've got everything buttoned up because this agent's slippery.
0: Hmm. It's good to be aware of and and bring into the fold. So oh,
1: and it and it comes with experience and it comes with relationships, you know, in that in that the fact of the matter is is that in the end it's not my decision. I'm the advisor, facilitator, and negotiator for my clients, but in the end, it's their decision. I've got some clients that want to get every last dollar out of a property. If that's what they want, fine. I have others that say, you know what? These offers are so strong and we've owned, we've owned this home for 35, 40 years. These are, this is a nice young person or a nice young couple or whomever person downsizing. I don't want to keep negotiating. Is it okay if we just stick with this current price? I'm like, absolutely. Because again, it's their money. It's their house. It's not mine.
0: Yeah. Well, and it comes with experience, but I also think that it's good to just remember that there, um, there's more to, I just think that you've given a really good tangible thing that a new agent or maybe an agent who's listening, who maybe is forgetting that one piece of like, hey, size things up and then set up, you know, kind of frame it in a way that is going to help your seller be in a better position. I think we overlook it, I guess. it's It's something that You know, as an experienced agent, you're like, yeah, of course, that's what you're supposed to do. But I also think that not everybody—it's not natural. Like, it—it's not. It doesn't come naturally to everyone to take that step. I think it's
1: it's a it's a people business. Yeah. And even and even the buyer who is jumping up and down on the on the on the squeaky part in the floor, it just may not be their time. But they still deserve great representation. They still they still deserve acknowledgement and somebody who has the patience to take the time i just have to make sure that ultimately if we are going to be working with that buyer that they're going to perform to the level that they have promised and that we expect and that all comes back to the contract
0: absolutely that's awesome well and one thing too i asked you about was something that you're passionate about talking you know sharing with other real estate agents so you've been in the industry for for a while, and yes. I'm sure that there have been
1: half my, half my life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, you look great. So, Thank you. yeah, we just had that, you know, half century celebration. My husband and I did. So, I completely can relate to what you're saying. Right. So, yeah. so yeah. virtual air high five. But
1: um,
0: one thing I would asked about is uh, something that you're really passionate about. Um, some advice that you're excited or you feel strongly about. That would help other real estate agents and brokers in today's market and you said you must have enough self-belief to invest in branding this is not a cookie cutter business you must be different or you must differentiate yourself in a genuine fashion or it will fall flat can you talk a little bit more about uh, what you mean and ways that you do that or the yeah that have worked
1: sure you know real estate is a challenging business there's a high level of competition and regardless of what the marketplace is you know whether you're in boise or you're somewhere you know um, in iowa ohio or california these are most likely your clients most highly priced asset and it means a lot this is a place where they have raised their family and they've, they've they've entertained their friends and they've had these wonderful experiences it's a safe place for them so who are they going to trust to sell that for them? And, and what's interesting is in historically it seems to be changing a little bit with um, millennials where they are now vetting who their, their their buyer's agent is going to be or selling agent. But historically people didn't care about the quality of their agent as much when they were spending the money but they sure as heck care when it comes time to recoup it and put it in their back in their bank account. So I'm a believer that regardless of where your market is in the cycle of appreciation, depreciation, recession, et cetera, or static, the agents who are going to be most productive and consistent are listing agents. That's where you get the brand recognition within the industry. All of a sudden people, you have a listing and there's somebody you don't know and they say, Oh, hi, Tiffany, how are you? Oh, hi, Tiffany, and this and that and, and whatnot. How do you get that seller? There will be referrals. Sure. Some of them will never will just trust their friend and they will not have you compete, but you need to be prepared at the times and to be able to compete against the best in the business. You know, bring your best every single day. Hmm. That doesn't mean that you always feel like at the top of your game, but do the best that you can to be there. And the branding is what's going to help people see you and I'll steal this from American Express that you're open for business. Hmm. So when people are deciding to research you, I am still a believer in having a robust website. Some people will still say, okay, well I'll believe in a landing page, but at least have a customized landing page that gives people insight into who you are. What's different? What's the difference between you as Tiffany and me as Brian and anybody else that's out there? What do you, how, how, what makes you different? What voice do you have? What's your approach for them to know that you are doing your best and you really care about them and what their objectives are. So I have a website that I'm very proud of. I'm actually in the midst of revamping it. So what you've seen is the brianchancellor.com 2.0 <laughs> and 3.0 will become in the next few months. These are not insignificant investments. And I'm not saying that everybody needs to spend the amount of money on a website. That that such as such as I have, but I also have to be realistic as to what is the climate. What are the dynamics within my marketplace and competition. I've got some amazing agents that I have to compete against every day. Some of whom have been in the top three and top five and sometimes number one in the country in sales volume. That I'm not trying to be somebody who is selling that amount of volume because I want to have a semblance of a balance in my life, but this is a decision that I made on behalf of myself, ultimately my wife and my kids. And so I'm, I'm gonna be there to give it my best. And so there's the website, there's the consistency in my ads that go in the newspaper. Ironically here in Silicon Valley, our local newspapers actually still carry some weight, um, not just for the marketing of the home, but also for, for us as agents. And I believe that you've gotta have a great presence online including social media when you are marketing of homes. And that what has changed in this business in the 25 years is that, hey, when I first started in the business, there were 30 agents in the office. I was fortunate to be brought into a company because of my mom um, that historically had agents with with an average of 12 years of experience. So they formalized a training program, and there were a few of us, most of us are still in the business today, who came in with a mentor, whether we were related to them, you know, or not. And there was only one PC in that office when I started. We were number one in California in average annual sales volume and number four in the country. But now the business is very mobile. People have offices, they have their laptops, they've got their mobile devices. Their, their, iPhones their Androids, you know, what have you. Um, but the buyers are also much more impatient than they were as are the sellers. And so folks will look at your Yelp reviews, your Zillow reviews, look at your website, um, check out any place that they can possibly find you in order to figure out whether or not you're the person that they wish to entrust such an important and exciting task.
0: That's true. That's true. They definitely are a lot more savvy and have a lot more tools at their disposal. You know, and I like that you're so committed to growth, even as a high performing agent. What are one or two things that you struggle with uh, today when it comes to growing sales?
1: Um, I will tell you that I, I embrace change, but, and, and, and I just recently mentioned social media, but it's not my natural thing. That I was on Facebook before my wife. What is that? And I was like, Oh, it's this thing called Facebook, and blah blah blah. And they said, and Who's that? Oh, it's a friend of mine from high school. Like, oh okay. You know, she's somebody that's on it. She probably wakes up to Facebook, goes to bed on social, or you know, gets news feeds and all that stuff, and keeps in touch with friends. And it's been a great thing for her, especially with the family that is abroad, because everybody can get it all at the same time. Nobody gets missed. Um, but but for me, also, I understand. The differences between Facebook and Instagram and the audiences that are there. And so I have to be nudged to participate in them on a more regular basis than what my natural inclination would be Um, I also have put out what I would call personality ads or image ads. So this is part of the differentiation that I don't just have ads that are out there marketing homes that I am fortunate enough to represent but one of the ads that I had put together by an advertising agency last year, they, they took my image and superimposed it into an oak tree and had a tagline talking about my values and my being a local's local, and ultimately what that means. There's the messaging in the copy, there's also the messaging, the messaging in the visual, and what does an oak tree stand for? You know, To me, an oak tree is strong, it's got longevity, there is this perception of it being wise, you know, it's got a story to tell that that was not a comfortable thing for me to do, but I also know what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. And that's why I hire third parties who are great at what they do in order to push me in directions that I think can make a difference. And I've been running this ad for almost a year. And just last week had a friend who happens to be one of my champions send a text to both my wife and me and said you know when i see this it just makes me so happy and then she also said hey you've got to be pretty darn bold in order to run something like that (laughs) so you have to you you have to be willing to push the envelope a little bit and if you and if you're not uncomfortable you're probably not pushing it enough
0: that's so true that is so true i love that i love that you're that you're doing just that I I 100% agree that I mean it's just like if you're it's the same in fitness it's you know and how you do one thing is how you do everything and so you know in business if you're not pushing it because you feel the same way as if you're doing anything else you feel nothing whereas if you're really pushing it and and improving and growing you should feel it (laughs) absolutely so that's great well good job okay the next part is what I call rapid fire tool chest Yeah, I know. This is my big surprise part. I I do provide questions ahead of time, but this is the one piece. I say that it's there, but I don't give any clues as to what's included because I want it nice and raw. Um, You can actually say pass, but I'm going to say something, and then you briefly tell me your favorite tool, person, or other response to it that's appropriate. And like I said, you could say pass if you don't want to answer or if you don't have an answer or if it's some kind of trade secret and you know, you could tell us, but you'd have to kill us. Oh, that, that,
1: that That's okay. You know, I, I didn't do so well on multiple choice tests when I was in school. <laughs> I liked writing essays more, but I'll do the best I can.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay. It's like one of those single lines of text instead uh, of the big boxes, yeah. right? And the good thing is, is you are the only one with the answers. So, you know, it, this isn't quite like a test. It's more of a, you know, Rapid
1: fire to tool chest. It's it's okay. <laughs> That's right. Fire, so all the answers, you're going to get them
0: right. You're going to get them right. All of them. So uh, time blocking, do you use it? And if so, what tool do you use?
1: Uh, I, I do time block. I have to because I'm a perpetual energy person. And if I didn't, I would just be a mess. So um, I use the Google platform and use my Google calendar. And then also for project management, I've recently started using Asana.
0: Oh, very good. Because
1: I can also share that with my clients.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Um, that's actually what we use. So I can awesome. I love that. Okay. Uh, favorite technology.
1: Oh my gosh. Um, cell phone and texting.
0: Perfect. Uh, favorite CRM at this time?
1: Um, I use um, Real Scout and we also have MoxieWorks.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. How about sales pipeline management?
1: Um, This is probably not my forte. I literally have a spreadsheet that I've, that I update annually. It's not my favorite thing to do, um, but it's also what I use for um, holiday cards that I'm lucky my wife uh, can writes the addresses and has done that for years. um, So mine mine is I literally have a spreadsheet. I'm not a big CRM person because, um, you know, I, I guess I just focus on all the people.
0: Awesome, awesome. How about uh, transaction
1: management? I have a transactional coordinator.
0: Very okay, good. We also, you- oh, we also go use
1: Disclosure.io for disclosure packets.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, and it's funny because I ask, I do, I've done rapid fire all of season two of Breakaway Agent, and I, it's remarkable right. to me, and I'm, I'm very proud of the direction that agents and brokers are going with using a transaction coordinator because yeah. it's specialized and it's leveraging, you know, time oh. and money. I mean, it's like I I'm because I mean, my husband and I, we had a real estate company. And so, um, in the early nineties, you know, we had, uh, other agents and, um, and I had built a website and things like that. But back then, you know, and I always, I've talked several times on just the difference in technology between then and now, but something like transaction management, I just feel like, why didn't we do that all along? Like that makes so much sense. Such a
1: lifesaver, such a lifesaver.
0: That's awesome. One of your favorite books right now.
1: Um, Where the Red Fern Grows is always going to be one of my favorite books. Oh, um, very good. I'll leave it with that. How's that?
0: Okay. I love it. I love it. That's the but first. Also,
1: but here's another one, actually, I'll give you. Extreme okay. ownership.
0: Okay. Extreme ownership.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Awesome. What is that about?
1: <laughs> it's it's about leadership and ultimately, even and when being part of a team, you may not be the highest ranking person, but you ultimately have a responsibility to lead up the chain of command that you have as a leader, understand who's good at what. Let them run. Work, let it, especially working with people who know more than you do. Don't mm. let that be something that um, makes you feel vulnerable. It's something that actually empowers you.
0: Oh, oh, I love that. That's so it's awesome.
1: It's really important to give credit where credit is due.
0: Okay, so so the premise being like taking ownership of leadership, even if someone else is leading you. Yeah. And okay, and I whatever,
1: love it. Whatever your task is, is you've got to take full. Re- Responsibility. If something doesn't go well, figure out what didn't go well, own it, and just keep going.
0: Awesome. That's great. That I'm gonna have to look that one up. Who has been an overall mentor to you?
1: Um, my my mom hmm. has absolutely. You know, um, and and it probably five years into the business, the reality is is that my sales surpassed hers, but she didn't care about that. She had a Silicon Valley executive and my dad who was there. My mom would never sell a home to somebody that she wasn't willing to live in. And I said, well, mom, I'm not going to go that far. I'm going to make sure that, you know, they, they know everything that they need to know about the house. But it was never about the money. It was always about the people. She literally unsolicited, had four or five people put her down on their will and in their trust as the person to sell their home once they passed away because it was they felt well they trusted her that much mm. and so you know having somebody who was that principled mentor you you can't help I mean I, I surely hope you can't you can't help but absorb that um, and follow that path.
0: I love my that. My mom
1: also had a guy who became my mentor by the name of Sam Webster he unfortunately passed away a few years ago but he was I want to say Sam was probably 94-ish but he was just an amazing guy who was um, a very accomplished tennis player. He had played in Wimbledon. I think it was in doubles or junior Wimbledon or something. He had, he had fought in, in, um, you know, world war II, um, And, but his, his focus was really his biggest strength was agriculture, but he would get investment groups together of his friends. But even when he got to a point where he could have run with many of these investment opportunities all on his own, He was always willing to share the wealth. Mm. And he created a number of of businesses. One is really one of the most preeminent hotels here in downtown Palo Alto. He created an alternative high-end senior living Mm. um, community that's also here and doing well. And in fact, now, at least in California, we eat these um, Clementine oranges. They're pretty prolific. Um, And his brand was Halos. Oh, yeah. And prior to that, he was in pistachios, all kinds of stuff. So, uh, but he was, Halos came before Cuties for the record. And okay. <laughs> well,
0: now, okay. We can just wrap then because now we know the truth about everything important. You know, that's a big deal in our house. So <laughs> I'll yeah. have to share that with my husband. Yeah. So how about um, a real estate teacher or coach?
1: Um, As far as who's been influential for me?
0: Yeah. Or who you'd recommend, either who you'd recommend or who has influenced your business?
1: Well, so, so Sam was, was great and instrumental. And as I told his family who bestowed me the honor of representing um, them once both of Sam and his wife, Kim had passed that he was the, the second most influential adult after my parents hmm. in, in my life. But as far as real estate coaching here in the i S uh, I've, I've taken Brian Buffini coaching and also Lorna Hines. They're both out of San Diego. I think their fortes are a little bit different. Um, Lorna is about, understanding your value, learning how to overcome objections and articulate all these sorts of things, including when we talk about value, making sure that you're paid properly. Brian is very much about the relationship and how to cultivate relationships and making sure that you are giving and you give people items of value and you get and keep in touch with them on a regular basis, but also has an emphasis on understanding finance so that you take care of yourself and your family.
0: That's awesome. I have two more rapid fires and one more question. And I know you have an appointment coming up here in a few minutes. So, um, uh, do you have a training resource that you swear
1: by? A training resource. I think that, that Buffini and Lorna Hines really, um, Okay. You know, outside of that, I, I, I can't really think of one off the top of my head. I know some people like Tom Ferry, um, but I will tell you, here's what I would I would recommend to people whether or not they do the as somebody's assistant, or if not, find somebody to mentor you. If you can participate and shadow a top agent, help them with inspections. If they're comfortable enough for you to sit on on listing presentations when offers are being written, or um, offer presentations your experience level will grow dramatically and exponentially much faster than the time that it takes to get traction on your own as an agent.
0: I agree, I agree. On the job training with someone who knows is definitely the best way to go. How about the most underrated resource in your industry?
1: Oh, wow. That's a good one. Um, you know, the fact of the matter is, is I don't think enough Agents really understand finance. Mm. I think that they can rely upon their lending. I won't say partners because that overstates it. I'm not getting anything from the lenders that I refer. All that I ask is that they give great service and education to my clients. But I think that we underutilize them when it comes to our understanding of finance and what are the current lending guidelines and what's the difference between Wells Fargo and B of A and First Republic or whomever. Um, Yeah, and because the more you know about that, I think the more your clients will rely upon you, and then you'll have less incidents of them saying, "Well, I want to use my credit union. The credit union's great. At least in my marketplace, I understand that a credit union has its place. It's nonprofit, and that's wonderful. They give you great rates. But in a market that moves so fast, multiple offers, you got to close in thirty days or less, and whatnot. I haven't found any credit union here that can move fast enough.
0: Yeah, and the purchase
1: money is such a
0: big part of it. So. Okay. Last question. I am a huge foodie. So I always end my podcast with a food question and this one is particular. Uh, what is your favorite dish and where do you get it?
1: Wow. So um, I like lots of different foods. I'd say that my baseline is uh, a pasta with the meat sauce, but the reality is, is my favorite is Vietnamese. Okay. And, um, gosh there's a place that we call it's a hole in the wall called t plus noodle house which is in burlingame which is near where my wife and i had our first house and it's our family tradition that when we come from trips if they're open that we always stop by there on the way home because there's always something that everybody likes so i like the crispy hong kong style noodles with combinations so you'll get your prawns your chicken your beef and your pork all and veggies all in one
0: that's awesome. that sounds delicious I, I love asking that question and I hate it because I'm always starving after I'm imagining all these wonderful dishes. So, yeah. well, Brian, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much. I look forward to keeping in touch with you.
0: Yeah, me too. And I I feel like you gave us some really good takeaways. I think that um, you know if anyone misses your website as it as it is now about the nice guy finishing first, I think you really displayed it here and it uh, oozes out. So I really appreciate that. And um, thank you so much to everyone for listening. Thank you for our whole crew. And remember, the best is yet to come.